are right now exactly in the middle of our fast. Amen. We are 11 days. This is the 11th day. And so we have 10 days left. And um, I, I, am, I am feeling great in my spirit, great in my body. I'm, how many are feeling great in your spirit and in your body? Amen. It's a great benefit to, to go without. Amen. And if you're not fasting food um, that, and you're doing something else, that's fine. Praise God. But there is definitely a great feeling to um, disciplining your body on those things. If we have people visiting or people that aren't uh, knowing what's going on, we're doing a 21-day fast fasting and praying as a church and as a fellowship. We are part of churches all around the world, and every day we're praying and fasting for revival. We're praying and fasting for our other churches. Um, we have churches, all I guess I said, all around the world, and so they're all joining in on this with us, so it's a very powerful thing to have that many people, thousands and thousands of people and hundreds of churches praying together at the same time. And that's why you feel the presence of God like you feel it in here this morning because praying and fasting does something. Amen. It moves the hand of God. And so uh, many people have been so, uh, fasting uh, different things. Some people have been fasting food. Some people have been fasting social media. Some people have been fasting um, all kinds of different things that, that the Lord laid on their heart that was something that would interfere with their walk with the Lord. And so I can just, just encourage you to continue to do that. Maybe, maybe at this point the Lord's saying, okay, I want you to go in a different direction and fast something else. It, just, it doesn't matter what you're fasting, but that every day during these 21 days you would fast something and that you'd be in the same spirit and attitude with us and, um, and so we can be in that unity. So we talked last week about three things we're going to do during these 21 days, and I mentioned the him, the me, and the them. Amen. And so last week we talked about him. We talked about how we are wor constantly working on our vertical relationship with the Lord. Constantly working on making sure that we are in tune with God, that we're worshiping God, that we're, we're giving him the glory that he deserves and everything that, that goes along with that. And, and that's the first and foremost thing you should do. If, there, if you ever have a problem, look up first. We, we, I don't want to get into last week's message again, but we're so good at looking around us when problems begin to happen. And, and we begin to you know, say, why? Is it this or is it that? And, and a lot of times we're looking around and what we need to do is look up. And we need to say, Lord, how are we doing? How is our relationship? Are we in tune? Are we together? Am I doing anything that's affecting our relationship? Because it's never God. I just want to remind you of that. It's never that God is busy. Or God is, is, is not hearing you. Or God is mad at you. It's, it's that we're not spending time with the Lord. I said last week, if you want to get to know somebody, and, and I mentioned this on Wednesday, and really have a great relationship with somebody, you have to what? Spend time with them. So we have to spend time with the Lord. The second thing is the me, which we're going to talk about today, this morning. And this is where I put up here, God is still working on me. Amen. Now, that 75% is not, is not for me or for you. I don't know uh, what my percentage is. I just know that God is still working on me. And God will still be working on me until the day I breathe my last breath or he splits the skies open to come back for us. Amen? He is constantly working on me. I'll never reach 100% until I'm standing with him in glory. But some, some here might be at 1%. Some might be at 90. Some might be at 50. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you don't know where you're at, but here's what I do know. We're closer to the Lord now than we were yesterday, amen? And we're better today than we were the day before, amen? And, and we're not where we want to be this morning, but we're not where we used to be either. We're not who we used to be, 
but we're not, we're not who we want to be yet, but we're also not who we used to be. Amen. How many are glad for that? So I want to read Psalm 51 and then get into a few things here. And I want to read several verses. So if you've got that, say amen. And I want you to see the me here. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil thing in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, which shows us scripturally that we are born into sin. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you shall make me known to wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Now look at this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Father, I pray this morning that you would anoint your word and everybody here to listen and hear so that when we walk out of these doors this morning, we will be excited, we will be happy, we will be fulfilled, and we will know that we have a relationship with you. And Lord, you are working on us today to do great and mighty and powerful things. And Lord, I thank you for breaking every chain this morning of every person in this place. Lord, every spirit of darkness that hovers over our lives of our past, Father, would be destroyed this morning. Father, I pray for an anointing that breaks every bondage in this place and brings liberty to the captives and sets people free this morning and heals people on the inside, God, so that we can do something for you on the outside. Lord, we thank you for your word and your power and your salvation and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we see here a lot of me's. So I was talking about how when things begin to go wrong, we can begin to look around and begin to say, is it them or is it this or what's the situation? And then I said, what we have to do is look up and we have to look to the Lord and we have to say, Lord, how's our relationship and how are we doing? And once we get that right, then we still don't go around and look at everybody else. The next thing we do is we look inward. We get the spiritual mirror. One of the best things, if not the best thing you can do this morning, if you want to have a victorious life and you want to walk in in joy and happiness and peace in your life, one of the best things you can do is continue every day to look inward and continue every day to say, God, what can I do? What can I do to be closer to you? What is there in my life, as David was saying here, that's not right, that shouldn't be there? What are some things that I can work on? What is, how can I get better? Think about this in marital relationships or friendships or the workplace. As, as people, the Bible says there we were born into sin. As sinners, 
as people who are born into sin, as we grow up in sin, it is our nature this morning. It is our nature to point fingers at other people. It is our nature to blame other people. It is our nature to find fault in other people. It is our nature to look around and, 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 and usually be the, us be the last person that gets the blame for something. And if you want to have a victorious life, the thing you need to learn to do is to say, I'm the problem. I, I'm the solution. I'm the one that needs to change. I'm the one that needs to have a, a, a mindset that changes. I'm the one that needs to look inward and say, what am I doing wrong? Think about that. If everybody did that, if everybody in this place, in their lives, their relationships, in our church, in your jobs, if every person looked inward and said, what am I doing wrong? What can I do to be better? Amen. How would things change? Amen. How would things get better in our relationships, in our marriages, in our job places, if we all all looked inward and said, it's me. Now, to go back just for a second, we're going to go to Jeremiah in just a second, but off the story of last week or Wednesday when we talked about the love of the Lord, we talked about Jesus saying to his disciples, somebody in this room is going to betray me. And they did something that leads right into this. I don't want to read it again this morning, but most people know the story of when Jesus was with his disciples and, and they're breaking bread and they're having the last, last supper and he is contending with them uh, that, that, that they would stay strong and he, he has communion with them. And at one point, as we saw Wednesday night, um, he, says, uh, they, he says, one of you here will betray me. And the thing I want you to think about is, is 11 of those 12 disciples said these words, including John, who was the beloved, who was the one closest to Jesus, as we talked about. Every single one of them, except Judas, said these words, Lord, is it me? Is it me? Every single one of them had something in their spirit say, that if someone's going to betray you, God, please don't let it be me. And they were concerned. They were worried. They, they looked inward and said, is it I? Is it me? And, 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 and that was the, the reason that those 11 walked out of that room as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. But the one who betrayed Jesus did not ask, is it I? And so the danger in our walk with God is when we stop asking God, is it me? Is there something in me that can be better? Is there something in me that can change? Is there, can I get, think about this, if I could get 1% better every day in my life, if I could get 1% less selfish, if I could be 1% more generous, if I could be 1% more loving, if I could be 1% more faithful, if I could be 1% more helpful, amen, if I could be 1% a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better leader, a better person, how would my, my world change around me if I had that attitude that I'm not satisfied with the way I was yesterday. I want to be somebody better tomorrow. Amen. I want to do more for the Lord than I've ever done before. God's not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. But here's the problem. I'm going to get to the problem right now because some of you are thinking right now as you're listening, man, that sounds great, but you don't have any clue what I've done. That sounds great, but you don't have any clue what I've been through. That sounds great, but you don't have any clue what I'm going through. And you're right. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. I know what some of you have been through. And I don't know any of those things, but there's somebody who does. And his name is Jesus. Amen. He knows everything about you. 
everything. And I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 18, and I want to read something very powerful here. And I want to remind you this, and I want you to think about this, not just today and not just this week, but all year. All year and for the rest of your life, I want you to realize who you are in God's hands and what you mean to God and what God can do for you. One of the most powerful verses that's not in my notes this morning in the Bible is that His mercies are new every morning. Amen? And great is His faithfulness. Amen. I wonder if they're going to send out an Amber Alert when we all disappear. Amen. Can you imagine? I hope you get stay right with the Lord. Amen. Can you imagine the rapture happens and that Amber Alert goes off and there's a whole bunch of phones and a whole bunch of people missing and you're not missing. Amen. You want to be gone. Praise the Lord. How many put your faith in Jesus this morning? Amen. I hope they say, think about it. Amber Alert's somebody that's missing. There's going to be a whole lot of people missing and I'm going to be one of them. How many's going to be with me on that day? We're going to be missing. They're going to send out a worldwide Amber Alert. Amen. So Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there he was, making something at the wheel. I want you, as we begin to read here, I want you to visualize God is the potter. Amen? He's at the wheel, and he's working on us right now. Okay, I said this here, God is still working on me, and, and, I, and I, I know this is an old concept. I know that not very many people make pottery nowadays, but the concept is so awesome. And, and how many have seen that visual where they take that pottery, pottery or that clay, and they, and they have a wheel, and they get water, and they begin to, it begins to spin, and in their hands, they begin to form that, that clay into pottery. It's such a beautiful visual of what God is doing in us every single day. And, 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 and he's, he's forming us. I have a really good friend in Cortez, Colorado that goes to uh, Pastor Bland's church. They're, they're uh, American Indian. And um, I forgot which tribe they're from, but they, they, there's a lot of Indians there in, in, in Cortez. And uh, he and his wife, he does masonry, but his wife does uh, pottery. And I remember one time we were there preaching, a re- I was preaching a revival several years ago, and he, he came to me during the revival and said, I want to give you a gift. And he said, this is something my wife made. And it was, I have it in my man cave. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece about this big. just looks like a bowl of, of just beautiful, beautiful uh, pottery that was made by her, by her hand. But then what makes it even more amazing and more valuable is after the pottery was made, then he came in as doing his artistry and his part, and he, he wrote and drew things on it that's so articulate and so beautiful. And so between the two of them, they made this amazing piece, and they gave it to me. It's one of the nicest gifts I've ever gotten just because of the time that I know that they put into that. And, and I asked him one time, I was like, I don't hope you don't mind me asking, but how much do you think this thing's worth? And he said probably about $5,000 if it was to sell, because they sell them. So don't come rob me, Amen. <laughs> I told you where it's at. Amen. Um, and this, 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 it was a powerful thing. But I think about that, and I think, man, we've been really careful with it to make sure it never falls and breaks. Amen. But can you imagine if that nice, beautiful piece of pottery were to break, were to fall and break? It would not be the same. It would, it would be ruined, we would think. Amen. 
And that's a lot of times what happens with us as people. We, we've been made by God. We've been made in his image. We've been made for something great. We've been made for a purpose and a plan. And then life comes along. And a situation comes along. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but there's people in here, probably many here, who have had things happen to them in their lives that was not in their plans and was definitely not in God's plan. Can you say amen? amen. Bad things. Things that have happened to us that have affected us. And today we're, we're walking around possibly like broken pieces of pottery. Amen? Are, are, are we have fallen, we've gotten hurt, and, and we feel like, how can I do anything for the Lord? How can I? And, and here's the thing. I want you to get this. A lot of times people, we can be really good about, okay, I'm working on my relationship with you, Lord, and, and, and I, and I, and I, and I want to serve you, I want to worship you, and then now, okay, Lord, let me go focus on somebody. Let me help somebody. Let me serve somebody. Let me, let me do something for somebody. And we want to work on him, and we want to work on them, and work on him, and we want to work on them. But when God says, I want to work on you, we say, no, God, I'm busy working on you, and I'm working on them. And God says, no, I need you to stop because I need to work on you. And many people don't want God to work on them because working on me is painful working on me is personal it's easier to 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 work with God because he's perfect and there's nothing to fix and it's easier to work on everybody else because I can fix their problems but God is saying no I want to fix you I want to get you to the place of where I planned you to be. And you might be some broken pieces, but watch what the Bible says here. So we see him at this potter's house. He's at the, at the wheel in verse 3 and verse 4 says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, or in other words, broken or ruined. So he made it again into another vessel. That's a great thing to underline right there. He made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. So if you've made some mistakes here this morning, God can give you another chance. God can do it again. Amen. God can do it again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Tell somebody next to you, he's working on me. He's still working on me. Amen. Now watch this. What's the key? Verse 5, the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? That's powerful. Can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O Israel. That's an awesome word right there. That, that's why I want you to visualize that again, that God is at the wheel. And you are the clay, and you are in his hands. And he says, can I not do what, I, what that potter did with that clay? Can I not form you? Can I not fix you? And of course, we understand it always has to do with me. I can be fixed, but I have to let God fix me. Amen. You can't fix me. I can't fix you. We think we can fix each other. We think we can fix other people. Definitely can't fix God. The one who needs fixing this morning is... Thank you. Amen. Amen. Me. And I, and I didn't say that. I didn't say you. I said me. Amen. Say me. me. I need fixing. Amen. It's, it's about me this morning. Now, not in a selfish way, because that's the other extreme. Too many people are too busy on them. Now, I'm, I, I got to hit both sides. Some people only think they, have, they think the whole world revolves around them. Amen. Can I get a better Amen. So it's not about staying there, 
But it's about being in the position where God can work on you. It's not about selfishness, but it's saying, Lord, I can't be good to anybody else. I can't be a good servant of you or a good child if you don't work on me, so I'm going to let you work on me. So we see here the if in verse uh, 7. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull down, to destroy, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. So we see there that God is willing to change us. God is willing to do something in us if we repent. And if we say, Lord, I need changing. We have to be humble. No, we don't, we don't need to wait till somebody else tells us, hey, you need changing. Because you know what I learned a long time ago? At one point when I was in a really legalistic church, I was in a place where it was very legalistic, and a lot of it had to do with the exterior and clothes and things like that, and, and where you know, women couldn't wear makeup and couldn't wear pants, and men couldn't do this, couldn't have you know, long sleeves. And it was legalistic. Amen. It was, it was a place where people were dressing a certain way and acting a certain way because that's what was applied, and that's what supposedly was holy, although those are great things. Those, if, that's, if that's what the Lord leads, we should be modest. Amen. Um, they, they, they say that women shouldn't wear makeup, and my pastor's always said it's a sin for some women not to wear makeup. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Just had to throw that in there. Amen. None of you, though. Amen. You're all beautiful without makeup. Amen. But... In this place of legality and legalism, I noticed that I, I started feeling myself like, man, I, I started realizing, I, I, this, I need, how do I look on the outside? And then when people begin to come into church, I began to judge them by the way they looked on the outside. Not by the way they looked on the inside. It just automatically happens. And so you get to this place where you have this judgmental spirit, and you, be, and you begin to look on the outward of everybody. And what happens is, is you're never looking inward. If you're too caught up on the outside, you're never looking on the inside. And, that's what, and so a lot of people are looking good on the outside, look like they've got it together, they dress the part, they walk the part, they look the part, but inside they're not good, amen? Something is not good on the inside. So I, I had one time, and it's been a while since I've used this example. We were doing this, this uh, message or, or this platform in Costa Rica out of wood, and we built it. How many have heard this story? All right, a couple probably. Or you'll remember it in a second. And so we built this st stage out of wood, kind of like this in Costa Rica, and it rains a lot. And so it, it, we had the building flooded one time in the beginning of the, of the time we built, built the church. And then later on, a couple years later, we were going to rebuild the stage. So we start taking the stage apart and, and, and shifting it and putting it somewhere else to build it someplace else. And when we got to taking the, the stage apart, all the wood across the front that was four-by-fours looked really good um, visually from the outside of the platform. But as we were tearing it apart, we noticed that on the inside, it was totally eaten up by, by uh, um, termites. Thank you. I mean, it had all those holes in it, and like literally, I just could go like this with my hand. So it was a miracle the stage stayed together and didn't just collapse on us. But on the inside, it was a perfect visual, and I preached a message on it at that time, that you could see one side of the wood looked really good, and I could knock on it, and it sounded really whole, and I flipped it around, and it was holy and weak and brittle and falling apart. That's the picture of a person who doesn't let God work on them. They do the things on the outside that man sees, and, and they do the things on the outside that man pleases man, but they're not working on their hearts. And this is the most important part, is that we would let God work on us on the inside. Amen? I want you to uh, re hear a few verses. Just write these down. 
Isaiah 64, verse 8 says, Now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter, and we are all the work of your hand. Amen? So I want you to remember this today and this week and all year that every time you start to feel a little discouraged and you begin to feel like God's not doing anything or, or you're a mess or you've made some mistakes, you need to remember, God, you need to stop and you say, God, I'm the, I'm the clay and you're the potter and I, you're, I am the work of your hands and I need you to work on me right now. How, how can you go wrong with that prayer? God, I need you to work on me right now. God, I need you to do something in me right now. God, something's not right, and I get to the place where I'm not looking around, I'm not finding fault in somebody else, but I'm saying, God, I need you to work in me. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 1, and I want to show you a very powerful verse here. How many still here? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Amen. This can be a shouting message, amen, when you begin to be excited that God can work on you and that God wants to work on you. And that he's not finished with you. And every one of us in here have made mistakes. Every one of us have missed the mark. Every one of us have failed. Every one of us have fallen. Amen. We've done some things where it didn't go the way we wanted it to go. But God is so faithful to us this morning to continue to work in us and said, I'm not done with you yet. Now look at this. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Amen. So if God started it, he will finish it. When people don't make it to the finish line, it's not that God's not there. God's there waiting at the finish line. God is cheering you on. God is saying, come on. And a lot of times he's running right there by you. But if you don't make it to the finish line, it's not God's fault. It's us. We throw in the towel. We quit. We give up. And God says, just stay in the fight and just understand, be confident. If God says we can be confident, we can be confident. Not in a prideful confidence, but in a trusting confidence, in a believing confidence that if he says it, I'm go- he's going to finish it. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now look over at Philippians chapter 2. Just a chapter over. Here's another great verse. Verse 13. For it is God who works. In you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen. It is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Ask yourself this this morning. Am I letting God work in me? Am I letting God speak to me? How many know that that surgery is painful and we need to let God do surgery on us? If he sees something inside of us, inside of our attitude, inside of our thoughts, inside of the way we treat people, inside of the way we do things, then we have to say, Lord, teach me. Amen? Be teachable. Amen? Be coachable. Maybe if you've played sports, you understand how important it is to be coachable. You got to listen to the coach. You got to listen to the person that's leading. You got to say, we got to trust the process of what the, the, the game is going on in. You got to trust that God is our coach. And that he wants the best for us. 
And so right now, here's the awesome thing. Here's the really good news. Besides the fact that he can, he can take our broken vessel and put us back together, here's the really good news. Right now, if we're praying and we're fasting and we're, and we're, and we're denying ourselves, which is what the Bible says, because I, I want you to think about that. Jesus said, I want you to follow me. Take up your cross and deny yourself, he says. So what we're doing when we follow Christ is we're denying ourselves. We're saying this isn't about me anymore. This is about God. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about the things of God. And when I do that, when I begin to deny myself, every watch this, every inch that I give of myself, every inch that I say, Lord, this is yours, Lord, this is yours, Lord, this is yours, that's more of God in my life. Every time I deny myself, and listen, it doesn't have to be, you might have noticed on this praying and fasting thing, it doesn't have to be, we're not fasting sinful things. We're not fasting sins, we're fasting things that are distractions. It's not a sin to eat. It's not a sin to look at your phone. It's not a sin to do things that we're doing, it, it, unless the Lord's showing that it's a sin. But I'm saying in general, the things that we're fasting are things that we think our physical body needs, and we, we are fasting it by the discipline of saying, Lord, as I say no to this, I'm saying yes to you. The more I deny myself, the more I say yes to the Lord. And so I'm removing flesh and carnality because what is the one thing that keeps us from doing the will of God? Our flesh. Our flesh does. That's why he says it's his good will to do and, and, and uh, his, to both in you do his will and to do for his good pleasure. And he says something we have, to, we have to go back to. I wanted to say that first. Now go back to verse 12. This is important. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. He did not say work out the salvation of your spouse or of your child or of your friends or of your neighbors or of somebody else in church. He said work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. We have to work on us. I want you to think about this again. If all of us are working on me, how good is the us and the them going to be? If I'm working on me and you're working on you and they're working on them, things are going to change. Anytime we've ever had marital problems, my wife and I, I always have to have the attitude and she always has to have the attitude, what am I doing wrong? When I counsel people in marriage, I, don't, I, I hear all their problems and all their bickering. I say, now what are you going to do about this? What are you? Because a lot of times in, 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 in those things, we're good at spouting and, and, and throwing all the, all the blame on the other person. And we think, now that I've thrown all that blame on the other person, that person's going to be like, just buried. And no, you, you, I say to that person, okay, have you done anything wrong? Could you possibly be doing anything wrong? There's a self-righteousness that we can have sometimes, amen? And it's not about what the other person's doing. It's about how can I change? How can I serve more? How can I be less like myself and more like Jesus? Amen. Amen. Less like me and more like Jesus. How many want to be less like you and more like Jesus? And as you do that, then people will begin to see something in you that they want. Amen? That they want. 
And so there's a verse in the Bible, and it's actually slipping me at this moment, but it's very similar to this where it talks about falling. It's not the righteous fall seven times and seven times again. It talks about falling, and then when you've fallen, you can be broke, you can be fixed. A lot of times when we think we've fallen, we think fallen is fallen like fallen forever or fallen away. The fallen is tripped and fell. Some, some, some of us have done that, amen? Some of us have done that over nothing. Like we look back to see where the line was in the sidewalk, right? We've just fallen. We've stumbled. And we do that sometimes in our walk with the Lord. We stumble. And God says, listen, child, get up. I'm not done with you. I'm still working on you. The world says you're done. Maybe your family says you're done. Maybe your mind says you're done. Amen. But God says, I'm not done with you. I'm just beginning to do the work in you that I want to do. I I have so many plans for you and so many purposes for you. Do we need to go back to Psalm 51 and have me remind you who we were talking about? Just in case you didn't know, let me just tell you, in case you've never been to a church service in your life, that's Psalm 51. You might have thought, man, that must have been an amazing preacher right there saying that. That Psalm 51 came from David the adulterer and David the murderer. David the adulterer and David the murderer. That's who that psalm came from. And so if he says those things, create in me a clean heart, O God. If he can be changed, anybody can be changed. If he can be forgiven, anybody can be forgiven. Amen? If he can be restored, anybody can be restored. Amen. I want to read one last verse in Psalm 139 if you'd go there to close. That we would spend this whole week, and not just this week, of course, but this is a focal point. Now, now as we do this, this is important. As we go into the me part, we don't leave the him. The him, it's like, okay, God, I'm, I, I'll talk to you next week. No, the him continues. Amen. More. Yes. And then you're saying, as you're in this now, it's that now, because from last week, the whole week's been worshiping him and just thanking him and just praising him and just glorifying him and just getting to know him better and reading his word. And so now it's like, okay, God, now I need you. I need you to start. I'm open. I'm, I'm willing. Start speaking to me. Start showing me things that, that, I can, that I can change. And listen, this is important. The change isn't always bad things. I can't say that enough. We automatically assume that the change is sinful things. Those are obvious that you have to stop sinning. Those are obvious that you need to repent of those sins and change. I'm talking about you need to have the attitude of, of, Lord, is there some things in me that need to change so that I can be better at what you're wanting me to do? Not, not things that would send me to hell, not things that would make, me, you know, make God not love me, things that would hinder God fully moving in my life like the way I want him to move. We talked about the anointing. When I remove the things of me and, and the things that are not God of my life, the anointing of God comes on my life. What's the anointing? It's a spirit upon you that breaks bondages and breaks chains. It's the spirit upon you that when you pray for somebody, they feel that prayer. Amen. Wouldn't you love to pray for somebody at work and when you pray for them, they feel something real? They feel the presence of God. They feel the love of God in you. And it's genuine. That's the anointing. That's you removing yourself and God taking over. So Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 is the attitude that we need to have <clears throat> Excuse me, this year. 
or this week and this year. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any, underline that right there, if there is any wicked in me. If there is any wicked. I don't want to just be 85% sold out to God. I don't just want to be 99% sold out to God. I want to be 100% sold out to God. Amen? I want God to have everything that I am and everything that I, th- that I think and everything that I have. Amen? I want him to have it all. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me. And watch this. Lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that, that you are working on us still. You're not done. You're not finished. Lord, sometimes it seems like it's over. Sometimes it seems like there's nothing more you could do. There's nothing else that, that I can do. That I, I've gone too far. I've, I've made too many mistakes. I've fallen too hard. And God, your word is so redeeming this morning to tell us, no, I that have began the work in you will finish the work. I will finish what I have began. I will do the work in you. And as that I said earlier, if you fall seven times, the just get up seven times. But Lord, this morning, the visual that we need to understand is that I am the clay in your hands. And sometimes when you look at my life and it's not doing what you want it to do, it's not doing what you intended it to do, sometimes that potter has to drop that clay on the ground and break it and cause that clay to be in pieces so he can pick up the pieces and put it back together again how he wants it. That's painful sometimes. That hurts sometimes. Being broken hurts. But I want to tell you something. Being broken is one of the best places you can be this morning. Because when you're broken, you're, you're right about to be put together again. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be broken. Maybe that vessel that the Lord made is not being used for its purpose. Maybe it's just sitting on the shelf, looking pretty. And God says, I really want to use you. But you're not using the vessel I gave you for what I gave you for it. You're not walking in the purpose that I've, that I've destined for you. Jeremiah 1 talks about that. I, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. I formed you in your mother's womb to be a prophet to the nations. So Holy Spirit, this morning, speak to us. Speak to me. Speak to us individually on where we're at with you and and what areas of my life, Father, can, can be reformed, transformed, redone. You are the potter and I'm the clay in your hands this morning. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over this place, I just want to ask you to to do some personal examination. I want you to ask yourself this morning, do I know Jesus? I want you to ask yourself, am I saved? Am I born again? If I died today, would I spend eternity in heaven with God? Am I ready to stand before a holy and living God? If you have those questions and you don't know the answers, I want you to know the good news today is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins 
so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be saved. The penalty of your, sa- of your sins was death, the Bible says in Romans 3. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible says that God is the gift of God. He's, the, he's eternal life. And he, the wages of sin are, is death, but He is the gift of God. He is the gift that saves and, and changes and delivers. And today, if you're not saved, you can say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come into my life this morning. I want to change. I want to be born again. I want to know you and know you better and greater. Please, Father, come into my life and give me hope this morning. How many all over this place, from front to back and side to side, could say, Pastor, would you lift me up in prayer this morning? I'm not saved. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. That's me. I don't know Jesus. I want to know him right now. I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. I, I'm not, I, I, I know I've said that prayer in my life, but man, I've, I've kind of let God stop working on me today. And today I want God to start working on me. Maybe that's your heart. Maybe you've been so focused on others that you haven't been taking care of yourself. Maybe you've been forgiving other people, but you haven't forgiven yourself. Sometimes forgiving ourselves is the hardest thing to do. Forgive yourself. God can't heal you if you don't forgive yourself. He forgave you, so why wouldn't you forgive yourself? Amen. We're going to let the potter work on us this morning. We're going to open up the altars. We're going to stand this morning to our feet. And the altars are open. If you want to come, if you want to pray at your seat, whatever you want to do, but I just want to I just want to extend the opportunity to you to let the potter work on you as clay this morning. This morning, don't, don't worry about praying for others. Pray for yourself. Be selfish this morning in the sense of saying, God, search me. Search my heart. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked in me. Oh, Lord, fix me this morning if I'm broken. Fix the areas of my life where I'm insecure. Fix the areas of my life where I'm jealous or angry or hopeless. I'll let you work on me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. Let's, let's talk to the Lord this morning.